This is MIT Technology Review. For as long as there's been AI research, games have been a part of it, especially chess. We think of people who are good at playing chess as having a certain level of intelligence, and so the game also became a way to gauge the intelligence of machines. And fun fact, the very first chess-playing program was written before a computer even existed to run it. Pioneering computer scientist Alan Turing played it in 1950 using an algorithm worked out on paper. It didn't work very well, but people continued to advance this research for decades. And then, in 1997, IBM's Deep Blue computer beat Garry Kasparov, the reigning world champion of chess. Are we missing something on the chessboard now that Kasparov sees? He, he does not look, he looks disgusted, in fact. He looks just, whoa! Deep Blue Kasparov, after the move C4, has resigned. I'm Jennifer Strong, and this is I Was There When, an oral history project featuring the stories of breakthroughs and watershed moments in AI and computing, as told by those who witnessed them. This episode, we meet the man on the other side of that chessboard, Gary Kasparov. It was inevitable that something described on the cover of Newsweek as the brain's last stand, and in books as big as the moon landing, would involve a lot of mythology. I admit that I was caught up in a lot of this hype myself. It took years of reflection and examination to sort out my impressions then and the truth. I wrote about this painful process in my 2017 book, Deep Thinking, when machine intelligence ends and human creativity begins. It's easy for a chess machine, after all. They don't care if they win or lose. They don't even know they're playing chess. But as a human and world champion, I had many emotions sitting down across from a machine. Would it play like previous machines or would it play like God? I was used to reading my opponent's body language. Not exactly helpful, sitting across from a computer engineer making moves he didn't understand for the machine he'd built. I was also used to preparing deeply for my opponents based on their previous games and their tendencies. Against the Blue, this was also out the window, as they kept their training games secret. And, of course, they could upgrade its strengths and change its chess personality with a few keystrokes. If only I could. It was hard to explain my experience, because I was really the first knowledge worker to have my job threatened by a machine. Most AI uncanny valley experiences before that were hoaxes or quite primitive. For example, human elevator operators being replaced by automatic push button elevators was very alarming to people in the 1940s. In fact, the technology for automatic elevators had existed for decades, but people were afraid of them. Plus, the elevator operators had a strong union. Today, there are many easy comparisons. Sitting down across from Deep Blue was in one way entirely normal. I had been feeding at a chessboard since I was six years old. And technically, a little was different for me. And yet, it was entirely different. I felt like 
most people will feel the first time they get into a self-driving car or get a diagnosis from an AI doctor. These new marvels are far beyond my chest nemesis, of course. The machine I lost to in the 1997 rematch, sometimes called Deeper Blue, was as intelligent as your alarm clock. A $10 million alarm clock, but nothing like what had been imagined by previous generations. This is not to downplay their achievement, which was a Mount Everest of computing, to defeat the world chess champion. There was a reason it got global attention. I only want to put into context what we mean when we say intelligent. Deep Blue did one thing very well, with hundreds of specialized chips. But it was enough to compete at the world champion level because chess is deep, but not deep enough. Deep Blue didn't have to solve chess. It only had to play better over six games. And brute force analysis at fast speeds turned out to be enough. It took me a while to absorb the most important lessons of my loss. And they had nothing to do with chess and everything to do with the future of the human-machine relationship. The period in which we compete against intelligent machines is very small, almost insignificant. Yet, we put so much importance on it. Instead of the eternity of machine supremacy that follows, which is what really matters. Air automation replaces human jobs, for example. And there is a brief moment of rough equality in performance with humans. But that doesn't last long. And forever after, machines will do it better, cheaper, and more safely. That's human progress. It makes our lives better. This isn't to be callous to those who lose their jobs. But even there, study after study shows that industries with more automation and AI do better, with more jobs and higher salaries. The alternative is stagnation. Another key point from Deep Blue that has broad applications to AI and tech in general is that we often miss the early signs of inevitable machine dominance. My loss in 1997 rematch was the big deal. But in fact, the most important point had been already made a year earlier in our first match in 1996 in Philadelphia, which I won. But I lost the very first game of the match. And that was the writing on the wall that made it clear that chess was not as special as everyone had thought. It was just another closed, complex system that would inevitably be cracked by increases in computer power. That's when that little competition window started to close. Now, it's funny to think about competing with chess machines. They are our tools, not our competition. We also get better cancer screening, safer roads, greater productivity and security. We don't have to work at many boring and dangerous jobs anymore. When that happens, we are free to become more creative, more strategic in our activities. We can direct the robots, the algorithms, etc. Technology doing our work is the whole history of human progress. This is why I prefer to call AI augmented intelligence, not artificial. It's a tool and makes us smarter the way a telescope augments our vision.
What matters is how we focus it. This isn't just a matter of economics. Global security also depends on it, as leading air attack in the hands of dictatorships is a serious threat. I helped design the first PC database software that made all my handwritten notebooks and other advantages obsolete. I used and helped promote the chess programs that would overtake me and everyone else. I saw them as necessary tools that would make me better, not as threats. In 1998, I invented what I called advanced chess, in which humans played together with a machine partner, a true model for many kinds of collaborative AI integration today. And humans still play chess against each other all over the world, more than ever, even though the phone in everyone's pocket now is stronger than the blue. Are we using these powerful tools in a responsible way? The Wild West is romantic in cowboy movies, but progress means having laws and healthy society where we feel secure to take advantage of the technological marvels we have created. When I give lectures on AI, many expect me to be angry or a technophobe because of my loss to a machine 25 years ago. And I admit it, I am a sore loser. But really, it was a fascinating experiment and experience. Mostly, I hope others learn from my attitude. If you can beat them, join them. Don't rage against the machine if you can make it work for you and for all of us. Do you have a story to tell? Know someone who does? Drop us an email at podcasts at technologyreview.com. You can find links to our reporting in the show notes, and you can support our journalism by going to techreview.com slash subscribe. Tech Trends is an original podcast series that dives into topics like quantum computing, 5G, tech for social good, and design thinking. Our conversations touch on how tech can transform the way businesses deliver for their customers, clients, and communities. For more information, visit jpmorganchase.com technology. This project was produced by me with Anthony Green and Emma Silicons. We're edited by Matt Honan, and our mix engineer is Garrett Lang. Thanks for listening. I'm Jennifer Strong. This is MIT Technology Review.